Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study on the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. No pressure whatsoever. If you don't want to give to the Lord, you shouldn't give to the Lord. I mean, really, there should be no pressure. I mean, I mean, coming into church, how often have we seen you come in the church building in the lobby? They have the big money monitor. You ever seen that thing? And it just keeps rising every week. And, you know, if it ain't rising, they'll tell you now, you despicable Christians. The money monitor's not rising. You know, and that kind of pressure. You know, I was reading this story. Heard the story of an old black preacher down south who was preaching a great sermon to his incredibly vocal and interactive congregation. And he said, <laughs> he said, brothers and sisters, ha. He said, you got to crawl before you walk. Well, the congregation responded, let us crawl, preacher, let us crawl. Well, the preacher responded, brothers and sisters. You got to walk before you jump. The congregation responded, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. The preacher responded, brothers and sisters, this church needs to fly. This church needs to fly. The congregation responded, amen, amen, amen. Let it fly, brother, let it fly. Well, the preacher said, brothers and sisters, before it flies, I got to take some money. The congregation responded, let us walk, preacher, let us walk. (laughs) no pressure no pressure give according to your ability no pressure well not only give discreetly and according to your ability but also thirdly if you're taking notes you should give willingly that's a biggie we don't have time to look at all the verses this morning I've got a ton of them but I'll just give you a couple so you can go away and do your homework Exodus chapter 25 verse 2 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. For there is first a willing mind. It is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. And then we should read the next point, not only willingly, but this next point goes hand in hand. The gift of giving should be exercised cheerfully. Cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for read it with me, you guys, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful in the Greek language, it means hilarious. God loves it when you just write your check and give hilariously. It just means hilarious. I mean, it means... It means <laughs> Deep, 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 man. 
It means hilarious. It means with joy. It, it means with, with excitement we are to give cheerfully. In other words, have great joy in giving to the Lord. It should be something that you do cheerfully. And if you don't want to give to God, listen, you shouldn't. And if you don't give joyfully and cheerfully, you should not give. Do not give money if you don't do it cheerfully. Now, I know some of my preacher friends would be dying right now. They were like, why would you tell them that? Are you out of your mind? No, I'm not out of my mind. I'm completely sane. I think it's biblical. If you don't give cheerfully and joyously like God, I'm giving you my tithe. God, I'm giving you my offering. And Lord, if I had more, I'd give you that too. If you can't give with that heart, and you shouldn't give because God does not need your money. God does not need your money. This church does not need your money. Although we'll gladly take it. But we don't. Oh, that was my other self. I'm sorry. Stop it. God does not need your money. And and in reality, yeah, I'm laughing about it. But the truth is, this church does not need your money. Because it was Jesus who said, upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, neither shall the lack of finances. It is God's church. If it really is God's church, then God knows how to take care of it. Don't give your money. God knows how to provide for it. Listen, Psalm 50 tells us that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need your check. God doesn't need nothing from you. What can you give him? The Bible says that when we get to heaven, we're going to walk on streets of gold. That's a lot of money, y'all. God has a lot. He's got more than you can comprehend. He's got more than you can figure out. And he doesn't need anything from you. God will always provide. He'll provide miraculously if he has to. You know, the children of Israel, they were in the wilderness, you know, and, and, and they were hungry. And guess what God did? God sent manna from heaven to feed them. And if God can send manna from heaven to feed his people and to take care of them and to provide for them, then God can send money from the sky if necessary to take care of Calvary Chapel and to take care of you, whatever your need is. Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Man's not your provider. Listen, your job is not your provider. Your job is not your provider. People think, oh, I got me a good job. I make a couple zeros and, you know, I'm doing well. So? It's not your provider. God is your provider. That's why you ought to give thanks to God for all that he gives you. Because your job, your money, your finances, your clothes, your nice car, your nice big house, all of that comes from God. You need to give thanks to God and offer it back up to God because God doesn't need your money. And it drives me nuts when I hear people talking as if God is broke. You know, God is in heaven. God's like, I had to file bankruptcy. I don't know what I'm going to do now. You will never hear those words come out of God's mouth. Never. You never find them in the scriptures because God knows how to provide. He'll provide manna from heaven. He'll provide money from heaven. 
You know, we give because it's a blessing to give. We give because you should give because you are blessed. You should give because you get to give. You should give because you get to further the kingdom of God. You get to push it on. You should give to missionaries because they go and preach the gospel in places that you cannot go. You should give to the church because the church is able to do things with the money that you give of things that you cannot do. And that's why you give because you get to take part in the bigger picture of what God is doing in his kingdom. Giving is all about you furthering the kingdom of God. You know, someone once said, you, you, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Isn't that true? You can send it ahead. You can't take it with you. Somebody else once said, you've never seen a U-Haul, a, a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You never have. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. And so you give in order to take part in the blessings of the Lord and to further the kingdom of God. Well, not only that, but number five, the gift, not only cheerfully, but also it should be exercised lovingly. Lovingly. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse three, the love chapter. Go read it yourself. The love chapter. If you give more than anybody in this church, you give more than anybody in the city. You give more than anybody in the state of North Carolina. If you don't give out of love, it profits you nothing. And that's Paul's point in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and have not love, it profits me nothing. See, the heart of giving is out of love. And then number six, your gift. How should it be exercised? Generously. Oh, that's important. Our verse this morning in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Our verse, he who gives should give with liberality or generously. Generously. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 talks about abounding in the grace of giving or give generously. We ought to be people who give generously. This gift of giving, listen, has nothing to do with how much money you have. That's important. We're not talking about how much money you have. I know people, I know people who have a lot of money that give very little. I know people with a very little bit of money who doesn't have that much money who give much. You know, it was Jesus who talked about the widow's might. You remember that? Jesus stood back and he watched people as they came by and as they gave. And Jesus saw the widow who gave the mites. And he said to her, he said, that woman has given more than all of the masses. And the implication is than anyone ever has. <laughs> she gave a couple of pennies. I mean, oh, that's going to further the kingdom. Yeah, in Jesus' mind, it will. Why? Because this woman gave out of her poverty. She gave all she had. The rest of them, they gave out of their abundance. Well, if you got a lot of money and you give a lot of money, so? I mean, it'd be like Oprah giving a lot of money. So what? I mean, she'll get it back in interest the next day. So what? What's that? That's nothing. But when you only have a little and you give, Jesus says, you've given more. You see, it has nothing to do with how much you have. It has everything to do with the fact that you have a gift of giving. And then most certainly, who can think about giving and not think 
of the greatest, the greatest example in all of the scriptures. And that would be who? Jesus. And the Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, I love this verse, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You see, Jesus laid aside his position in heaven, and he came down as a man, and he became poor, that man might become spiritually and eternally rich. And when you give, when you give, you're at that time being most like Jesus. Most like Jesus. And listen, don't ever give to get. Amen? Boy, there's a lot of teaching out there, y'all. We don't even have time to start talking about that. Just don't ever give to get. If you give, will you get? Absolutely. Of course. God said it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He never has. He never will. If you give, God's going to give to you. You'll always have food on your table. You'll always have clothes on your back. You'll always have gas in your car. God will always take care of you if you give, but that's not the reason you should give. You don't give to get. And what's happening in the church today is we are being taught and conditioned to give in order to get. In other words, God, I give you this. Now you give me. We are never in a position to demand God to give us anything. But we are to simply obey God and do what he tells us to do, and God will take care of you. God will take care of me. God will take care of your family because you are obedient to him. Never give just simply to get. And then there's a verse in in Timothy. One last verse. One last verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen to this. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy and let them do good. that They may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. It was Jesus who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So just give. And then finally, few things to say about the gift of mercy. If you're taking notes, write this down. The gift of mercy the gift of mercy. I would describe this gift as a supernatural ability from God to show mercy to people. The supernatural ability from God to show mercy to people. Mercy is a supernatural ability not to give people what they deserve. And we've talked about this in the past. What is justice? Justice is getting what you deserve. It's getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. Amen? For by grace are we saved through faith, not of yourselves. You don't deserve grace. None of us do. But we get it. And so mercy is not getting what you deserve. And the Bible commands all of us to be merciful. But again, we're talking about a supernatural ability 
to show mercy. There's an interesting verse in Proverbs chapter 3. I love this verse. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Get this. Bind them. What? Mercy and truth. Around your neck. And write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. I mean, think about it. In your day, how often I never have really prayed, Lord, may I bind mercy around my neck. I've never prayed that until I read this verse. Lord, as of now I'm getting started in my day, Lord, bind mercy around my neck. Hosea chapter 12, verse 6. So you, by the help of our God, return, observe mercy and justice, and wait on your God continually. Micah chapter 6. Well, so many people say, Rodney, I don't know what to do and where to go and what to say, and I'm not sure what God wants from me. Well, here's something for you. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you. But to do justly, here's three things, real simple. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Isn't that a beautiful verse? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And then you fast forward in the New Testament to Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. But notice again in your Bibles, in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Notice it says, he who shows mercy, notice this, must have cheerfulness. That word cheerfulness is the same word talking about giving hilariously. In other words, we're to, when we show mercy, we're to do it cheerfully. Now that in itself tells you that that's a gift from the Holy Spirit. I mean, who shows mercy cheerfully? I don't. When somebody does something wrong to me, I want to hurt you badly. I don't want to show you mercy. But then the Bible says, now, I'm not not supposed to hurt you badly. And and I'm supposed to show you mercy. And as I'm showing you mercy, I'm supposed to be cheerful as I show you mercy. So I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I'm going to show you mercy. And, and I'm going to be happy about it, although I really want to kill you. <laughs> I'm going to show you mercy. And I'm going to be cheerful because the Bible says, as you show mercy, you ought to be cheerful as you do it. Not like, I'm going to show you mercy. I don't want to show you mercy. I'll show you mercy. I'll show you mercy. You know, like mad, you know. I'm supposed to be sad face when I say mad. Mad. Not mad. You know, mad. When you show mercy, no. The Bible says, do it cheerfully. Show mercy cheerfully. And then who can think of mercy without thinking of the icon, if you will, in this earth of mercy? Mother Teresa. Man, is she an example of mercy? You know, I was doing some research, and I found out it was in 1946. Mother Teresa's life is changed forever. While riding a train to the mountain town of Darjeeling to, re- to recover from suspected tuberculosis on the 10th of September, she said that she received a calling from God to serve among the poorest of poor. Well, less than a year later, she moved to Calcutta slums to set up her first school. In 1950, she created the Missionaries of Charity, a religious order of nuns. 
to identify herself with the poor, she chooses to wear a white plain sarah with a blue border and a simple cross pin on her left shoulder. With the help of Calcutta officials, she converts a portion of the abandoned temple to Kaili, the Hindu goddess of death and destruction, into a home for the dying, where even the poorest of poor could die with dignity. Mother Teresa opened homes all over India, caring for people, washing their wounds, soothing their sores, and showing them mercy. Mercy. Man, people who like to do hospital visits, they, they, they have this gift of mercy. People who like to go to rescue missions and soup kitchens and serve soup to the homeless, they have this gift of mercy. Mercy. And then Jesus most certainly talking on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Mercy. We all want mercy. How often do I sin and I go to God and I say, God, forgive me and show me mercy. And I've walked away from talking to God and asking him to forgive me and show me mercy. And I've left God's presence and I know that God has forgiven me, that God has shown me mercy. And I walk away free and I walk away forgiven and I walk away having received the mercy of God. And how dare we as husbands and wives and family and friends and church folk and family, how dare we not forgive each other when we have been forgiven so much? You know, we are people who we want to receive the mercy of God, but we don't want to give mercy in return. And so the divorce rate is crazy outside the church and inside the church. Why? Because people don't want to be merciful. I don't understand it. How can that be? When we go to God and say, God, give me mercy. God, show me mercy. God, forgive me. But to the person who asks you to show them mercy, no, I ain't going to show you no mercy. I'll give you a kick. I'm going to show you, give you mercy. I'll give you a kick. I'll give you a punch. But yet we want mercy from God, I don't understand it. The Bible says that we ought to show each other mercy. And I only have a gift of mercy, like Mother Teresa and people who go to the soup kitchens. But most certainly, we need to be people who show mercy. And then one of the greatest examples, one of the greatest examples, turn with me, Romans chapter 8. Turn quick, because i got to end. Turn quick, Romans chapter 8. Come on up, team, come on up. Romans chapter 8. Matter of fact, stand on your feet. We're going to read this together. i got to close. Romans chapter 8. You want to see some mercy? Here's mercy. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Are you there, saints? Say amen. Yeah. Look at, verse, look at verse, verse 1. I can't see. Let me get my glasses on. Now look. There is therefore now No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now that's mercy. You see, we could be condemned. We have every right to be condemned. Well, I don't deserve what the way you're treating me, people say. Yeah, you do. You deserve worse. We all deserve hell. We do. But the Bible says that God has not condemned us because God is a loving God. He came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so God's not condemning you. 
And when you feel condemnation, you can know that that is not from God. God does not condemn people. Satan condemns. God convicts. Now, if you feel bad that you sinned and you feel convicted by it, you ought to because what you did was wrong. And that's the conviction if you're a Christian from the Holy Spirit. But if you feel condemned, what's the difference, Rodney? Here's the difference. Here's the difference. Condemnation pushes you away from God. When you feel condemned, it's Satan saying, don't go back to church. You don't need to be around them crazy church Christians singing all loud. You don't need to be around those Christians waving their hands, you know. (laughs) No, condemnation pushes you away from God. Conviction draws you to the feet of Jesus. Conviction says, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Lord, I repent. I turn around. I go the other way. And Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be your man. I'm going to be your woman. Conviction draws you to God. Condemnation pushes you away. And so the Bible says, here's mercy. There's therefore now no condemnation. The mercy of God in your life and in my life, always available. The Bible says the loving kindness of the Lord is new every day. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? The loving kindness of God, new every day, every morning. You get up, God, thank you for today. And I want to live for you today. And God, I'm going to take mercy and bind it around my neck. And the same mercy that I get from you, God, is the same mercy that I'm going to show to other people that come across my life. The same mercy I'm going to show to my husband. The same mercy I'm going to show to my wife and to my children. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.